Old houses are always a little creepy, even more so when they have secret rooms and remnants of a vengeful ghost. Come with us on a journey of harrowing, babysitting experiences. Learn how to balance the books and set schedules. Find out how to properly run a lucrative childcare business. Gossip about whose mom is dating whose dad. Investigate the mystery of why kids won't just go the fuck to sleep. This episode, we read The Ghost at Dawn's House from the Babysitter's Club series on Reliterated, the podcast so dreamy you would think we were Cam Geary. Welcome to Reliterated, the lowbrow book club of three grown-ass men reading the children's books popular in the 1990s, but with 2020s hindsight. Fair warning, we use language too mature for kids, analysis too immature for literary scholars, and ignorance too profound to be inoffensive to everyone. You can interact with us and enjoy all kinds of bonus content by searching Reliterated on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, and now Facebook. Or you can ask us questions, suggest future episodes, or tell us what we've missed by sending us an email at reliterated at gmail.com. Make it a good question, and we'll answer it on the show. My name's Andy, and I like pizza and video games, and I hate fishy smells and loud vehicle sounds when I'm trying to record a podcast or an audiobook. Harold's my best friend, but I'm not his best friend, but that's okay. We're all really good friends in the chocolate milk friends. My name's Harold. I like to pull pranks, like the time I put yogurt in Josh's lotion bottle and it fermented on his face while he was at work. I'm probably the chocolatiest of the chocolate milk friends, since I eat so much chocolate. Josh is intolerant, but he's still my best friend, though I'd never tell Andy that. My name's Josh. I like peanut butter cups, video games, and puppies. I refuse to tolerate lactose, even though Harold and Andy like it. I don't like either of those guys, but sometimes you need stepping stones on your way to podcast stardom. (laughs) (laughs) That was real special, guys. I feel like we all shared something. I do, too. I agree. I think that Andy's my best friend now. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently I don't like either of you fucks, so. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, well. Well. (laughs) <laughs> You're out of the babysitter's club. You oh, are intolerant, man. Josh, so. Because <laughs> we don't tolerate intolerance here. Nope. Lactose or otherwise. <laughs> Fucking milk. <laughs> Goddamn cheese. But yeah, this week we're talking about the babysitter's club for the first time ever. Will it be the last time? I don't know. Maybe. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see it was we'll see sup- if the fans are clamoring for a second yeah. yeah we'll just have to see the reaction to this but it was a super popular uh series of books back in the day it was i mean it had 131 copies in the in the normal babysitters club series and then it had some spin-offs some scary story uh books and a couple special series that they had yeah there was a a 13-episode ser- a series in 1990, a movie in 1995, and just last year they uh, they started a, a Netflix series that the author, Ann Martin, uh, is a producer on. So she's still active with, uh, with the Babysitter's Club series, and she's the one who started it all. 
I mean, it had a, a lot of success. It was popular. I do remember girls reading this book when I was in school. Now, I had no idea what a Babysitter's Club book was like before we did this. Yeah, me neither. Because... <laughs> It was the 90s. There were books that were for boys and books that were for girls. Absolutely. Yeah, all my all my cousins had these because my brother and I are the only are the only two boys, uh, boy cousins. All the rest are girls. So this book I know was read by my cousins, and I'm pretty sure my brother might have read it just because he was a voracious reader. But I I never took the time to read these at all. Yeah, I didn't either. I I feel like a lot of young boys didn't take the time because we had so many other things that uh, that we had <laughs> that were for us, you know, and not enough curiosity about the other side of things, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, today when you turn on TV for after school or or you know kids TV channels. They have a pretty good mix of like girl shows, get boy shows, and they do it in such a way that it doesn't really matter if it's a pinker show or a, a bluer show, the way they kind of lay out the colors. You know, my kids will watch either one, don't think anything of it because they're exciting, they're fun. But when we were growing up, and as far as shows went, I mean, you got out of school, there was Spider-Man, Batman, you know, it was all all guys shows. You know, or stuff that boys would be more interested in most of the time. Rough and double fighting and Power Rangers. Now, I had a lot of friends that were girls that liked Power Rangers, but they had oh, yeah. female characters more into that. But at the time, you know, if you said I watch Batman every day, most of the girls were like, OK, you know, <laughs> though, I felt it was like it was the cool girls that were into that stuff. Though, yeah, yeah, exactly. Too. And it never occurred to me that, you know, I could be one of the cool boys if I uh, started reading The Babysitter's Club or if I was into other things like Barbies or or what have you. Is that what me reading The Babysitter's Club would have meant, though? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, in our child culture, we would have been mocked endlessly. We if, would have. If we were seen reading The Babysitter's Club. I have limited experience with Babysitter's Club being this book alone, but I mean... It's a tough one. It was it had its interesting things to it, but it was so much different than the type of books that I was exposed to as a kid, you know, that someone would hand a boy and be like, read this book. These mm -hmm. this book seemed like it was training someone to start a business for the first quarter of it. I mean, it was odd to me. Yeah, they have a pretty robust organization. Yeah. With well-defined roles in what they do. Absolutely. And they, they like cover for each other and they take over each other's responsibilities and they look after each other. And I, I thought that was pretty respectable. Right. Because I didn't spend a lot of time looking after my friends. Usually we were trying to hurt each other or get, you know, make sure we weren't the one who got in trouble. The media that uh, we took in was mostly like based in supernatural stuff kind of but like awesomeness and power and uh like fighting for uh, for what you believe in whatever or it was some it's like in some ways fantastical and dealt with a lot of like power dynamics and and uh being being strong like physically strong and stuff 
Right. But like the babysitter's club stuff is all about like friendship and relationships and, uh, you know, stuff that actually comes in handy in actual real life. And the hierarchy of a business. (laughs) The hierarchy of a business. Yeah. That was the most awe inspiring thing to me when I was reading it was this Christy Thomas is the founder and president. Mary Ann Spire is the secretary. Claudia Kishi is the vice president. Stacy McGill is the treasurer. Oh, wait, there's more. Dana Schaefer is the alternate officer. And then later, there come some junior officers, associates, and second alternate officer. First off, I wouldn't have known what the fuck most of those things were at that age <laughs> that we were, should, would have been reading these books. I'm like... Mm-hmm. Why the treasurer alternate officer? What the fuck does that mean? And and here they are like, oh, we're, we're making this book for girls. And I almost wonder, it, it just this thought just came to me. But I mean, if we look back as time is going on and as that glass ceiling is still trying to be broken through, you know, it's it's cracked a little bit, but it's not entirely broken through yet. But I mean, it makes sense that in the 90s when, you know, a lot of. Our age group was was adolescent. Somebody was like, hey, we need to give these girls a head start and start making them think on this level. Like, hey, you know, create create a group, get a business going, set things together. You know, they they took in how much money they were making. They wrote journals about what they were doing. And, And, you know, it does that throughout the book. Like all of a sudden a chapter will be one of their experiences babysitting as if they wrote it in a journal for the other girls to read, you know, Mm. so that the other girls would be able to, if they went to babysit for these kids, they would know how these kids are. Okay. Yeah. Marianne told me they would be like this. It was interesting for sure. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it inspired a lot of girls out there to make uh, organizations of their own and, share notes on the kids in in the neighborhood and uh, how how best to to look after them and what their needs are and everything. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a, a smart way of, you know, teaching those that wouldn't have been reached otherwise. It's, you know, it's a way to teach business acumen to them. So, this this was a way to break that barrier so that these girls so that girls could learn all these different things. So that they could have a leg up when they got to the to the real world. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our first impressions on the series as a whole, based on our uh, experience with uh, with this one book, uh, Babysitters Club Number Nine: The Ghost at Dawn's House. So, does anybody have any notes about the author, Anne Martin? Uh, so Anne Martin was born in 1955. There are at the time of uh, the book that I read, the version I read, there were 176 million copies of Babysitter's Club in print. I mean, that's that's a lot of books. That's approaching R.L. Stein had something like 300 million out there or something like that. Mm. And that's a book that w- the, the book series Goosebumps was obviously loved by both boys and girls. So, I mean, to have mm-hmm. 176 million that was mainly aimed at girls, I'm sure there were boys that read Babysitter's Club, but... It was it was definitely mainly aimed at girls. Um, she wrote a couple other series called Main Street and Family Tree, and she's got some novels: uh, Bell Teal, A Corner of Uni- the Universe, which was a Newbery Honor book; Here Today, A Dog's Life, and On Christmas. But it sounds like she definitely had a love and a focus on trying to bring stories to young girls you know because i mean as we've talked about so much of it even 
you know, Goosebumps was for both, but I'm sure that, you know, with some of the stuff going on in Goosebumps and, it, well, I guess he had a lot of girl characters and boy characters being the main characters in his book. So, mm-hmm. you know, but a lot of stuff is kind of almost written and made with the, you don't notice it until you do. Uh, that how much stuff is made with boys in mind. And I don't know if that's just because it's like we need to entertain them so they don't destroy everything or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) or or I guess just playing, playing to their power fantasies is what sells novels. It's what sells stories. So, I mean, it it seems like she had a passion for, for trying to create a, a place for, for girls, which, which is really cool. I mean, I, like I say, this was it was definitely an interesting read, and I thought it was neat how they how they put together teaching. It almost seems like to me that teaching girls the idea of business, right? And not just business, but you know, being like having their own identities as as young women, and yep, um, uh, being being strong, independent people as well, and uh, you know, they even look after. Uh, they're friends with disabilities. I mean, Stacy uh, has diabetes, but she's not like teased for it. I mean, they even make special uh, purpose to provide, like when they go out and buy snacks, they bring back something that Stacy can have. They're they're considerate to their to their friends with with special needs, and I think that was a lot of uh, a lot of Anne Martin's heart in uh, developing that in in young people. Right. And it also doesn't suffer from the concept of they needed a boy to save them from anything. That never happens. Uh, they don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they don't have some guy who jumps in to save them at the end of the day. Of course, they do have uh, Cam Geary, <laughs> you know, so I mean, they've <laughs> oh, got the heartthrob. That is Cam apparently Geary. a heartthrob yeah. throughout the series. <laughs> I mean, let's. it is realistic. They are young girls and yep. there's going to be relationships with boys in their lives i mean they're not going to be completely uh separate from the existence of men and or their romantic desires as well but you know i do appreciate uh, how how well like the characters are treated and they're not just constantly drooling over boys right right you know they're they're young girls but they're not like barbie (laughs) girly girls you know right Oh, I was going to say it. Technically, only one of them's like really into boys. So, and that's Marianne. She's the one that's obsessed with Cam Geary. So, that, this is true. <laughs> I think at some point, all of them do. But, you know, Ann Martin is lesbian and she, or a lesbian, I don't know. I don't know how to talk about <laughs> LGBT people. <laughs> <laughs> We are ignorant. <laughs> we, <laughs> we are dumb and children. Here's what we like to do. We like to dive into subjects we shouldn't dive into. Uh-huh. And then try our best to dig our way out of them in the <laughs> most innocent light that we can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are very honest about our shortcomings, though. Yes. And... <laughs> We will recognize where we where we come up short, but we do want you, the listeners, to know that it's coming from a place of good faith. I hope it comes across <laughs> as such. Uh, as do I. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I do appreciate that you know 
uh, having an LGBT author, uh, she can still write about young girls who are into boys. And I don't know, like, there's 131 fucking books in this series. <laughs> it's just the regular yeah. series alone. I don't know if there are any, uh, like, same-sex relationships that come about. It was the 90s. That stuff was, like, late 80s, 90s. That stuff was played really low-key. I do understand that in the 2020 Netflix series, whatever, there are more uh, same-sex relationships introduced into it. Like, there's a a lot more diversity in the modern-day stuff, like, naturally, as it's becoming more and more a part of daily uh, recognition, conversation, uh, just the experience in our culture, but uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know if we're gonna get a- around to discussing the ghost at Dawn's house specifically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, well, but, yes, I definitely want to get into this, it, it, but I, I wanted to say too, like I, I find it funny because I, I remember hearing people like years and years and years ago would talk about how you know uh, people that are homosexual or anything like that. Oh, they're such a small part of the population, and it's like, but are they though, or? Do so many people who are part of the LGBTQ community uh, hide it their whole lives because of the awful treatment? So there's no real way to know how many people are bi or homosexual or any other kind of of feeling. So, yeah, I mean, it's it. It is definitely interesting. And I think it's cool if they're going now with more of a realistic view on things. Um, We should get into the book, though, because we could go on about this stuff for hours and i think at the end of the day as innocent as we are and as as foolish and ignorant as we might be we might get ourselves in trouble (laughs) if we keep on talking (laughs) (laughs) trying to to skate the lines (laughs) (laughs) we've caught a lot of attention on facebook i know for uh for this being uh, the book we're covering now and yep. I'm sure there's a lot of ears listening in on us going hey (laughs) well no i think that I think that what I'm kind of even realizing as we're talking about it now that I didn't really think of when reading the book is there's a lot of potential to um, to give like some really good messages with this book. And, and it was there were a lot of good messages in the book. So, oh, I, I do want to say before before we get into it, book number eight in the series, the one before uh, the one we're reading is called Boy Crazy Stacy, <laughs> where Stacy falls in love with a lifeguard who is way older than she is. Ooh. And the cover, <laughs> the cover says, who needs babysitting when there are boys around? <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Oh. That uh, <laughs> can be a little problematic, but <laughs> it, may, it may have been like tongue in cheek coming from who it was coming from <laughs> right <laughs> but it was kind of centered around you know getting bringing stacy back to earth for falling for a for a much older boy who's not good for her anyways let's get to the ghost of dawn's house dawn is new in town yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, like oh she was just in it just started off with like the four other girls and dawn was recently added to the club yeah but she, uh, her parents have been in a div- had had a divorce, and so Dawn was off in uh, California with her brother visiting their dad, and they all get mm-hmm. back. and I, I think it's funny. Oh wow, look at your tan. That's disgusting. Is pretty much how it starts. Um, which <laughs> I've always thought that people like tans, so I thought that was a strange one. 
But they all had gone away for two weeks uh, to different places. They didn't all go to the same place. Mm-hmm. Two whole weeks away from each other. Yep. And they, they all live in Stony Brook, Connecticut. Now, two of the girls went off, uh, Marianne and Stacy. They got jobs for those two weeks, and they had gone to a resort as mother's helpers, which apparently sometimes can pay better than babysitting because you're with the kids more. And, you know, the parents right there to appreciate it, I think, is what it comes down to. How did I not know that this was a possibility? Like, to go on vacation with other people just to help out with the kids? Like, I wish I would have known about this business because I could have done that. Totally. Instead of being just stuck in Heron County with nothing to do all summer. (laughs) (laughs) It, It comes back down to us being, again, boys and people not wanting to trust us with their children. (laughs) (laughs) this is true right and also living in huron county versus uh elite east coast yeah yeah Yeah, connecticut is not a cheap place to live so and this family has like five six children in this family well the pikes have eight the triple oh yeah eight kids eight kids because they be fucking so they hired (laughs) they do be fucking and they hired two adolescent girls to come with them on vacation to help with the with the kids which is a pretty cool deal i mean you get paid you go on a vacation i mean you're gonna have to work but you know they're gonna give you a chance to go off and play in the pool or whatever exactly you get breaks and all that sort of stuff so obviously i thought it was interesting how they uh they go on to talk about uh, divorce a little bit, which was another thing that I really didn't see in any of the media that I read growing up or, yeah. or saw. Um, and they talked candidly about how uh, Dawn's parents are divorced and they had gone to California to visit and she called him Disneyland daddy because, yeah, it's her dad, but he feels really guilty that he's not around. And so he takes you on a bunch of vacations and buys you a bunch of treats and surprises. And it's great, but it doesn't feel like you're your dad at that time. Now, I mean, I didn't have, you know, my parents lived nearby enough that we saw my dad regularly. But I, I have heard of, of people that had that where, you know, when they go to visit their dad, they come back and they got a billion different things. That was the norm way back then. I think it's still pretty much the norm now that uh, kids usually stay with mom and dad is the secondary parent. Um, And I think that that happens a lot where, you know, they feel like they need to do extra for the kid because they're worried that, you know, they're going to lose out on that love or caring. Not always the case, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the child of divorced parents as well. And... Basically, I remember pretty much every dad weekend, it was just like we got to be, we got to do the boy, the good, the guy stuff. So we'd watch action movies together and we, you know, he would take us to the park and, you know, it was always, uh, we'd always have an event, always something going on. And then I moved in with my dad when I was about 12 and obviously all that stopped it was a lot different because then it was you're there all the time. So a lot of that. Yeah, and you can't keep that up. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> those. <you're> dad. <laughs> a lot of those movie nights and everything's like that. It was just like, oh, when David's here, yes, we're going to do the movie night. But if it's just you, we're not going to get movies. <laughs> we're going to you'll just watch TV or whatever. It's just going to be part of normal life. So yeah, with some divorced parents, the kids being there is more of an occasion. Yep. 
Yeah, and for Josh, it was like, hey, Dad, can we have cinnamon for cinnamon sugar toast? His dad's like, cinnamon? What do you think I am? Bill Gates? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> he don't listen to this. So, yeah, he literally told me that cinnamon costs too much and that I should just use sugar. And so I thought so- sugar toast was like a normal thing. No, no, it's not a normal thing. That's just something my dad had me do. This man is insane, though. Cinnamon costs a dollar fifty. He puts sugar on his cottage cheese. So let's not talk about my dad's uh, thoughts on food. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Exactly. It doesn't go into why Don and Jeff's uh, parents are divorced uh, here in the book or whatever, but uh, in the recent series, it is because uh, their dad comes out as gay, and that breaks up the marriage between their parents. In the TV series, right? Yeah, in the Netflix yeah. series from okay. 2020. Yep. I was gonna say they didn't rehash the book, did they? <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think so. No, there's only like 13 episodes of the Netflix series so far. I mean, they're going into season two, whatever. Okay. Uh, we should watch it. We should watch it for the talk episode. Yeah, the we whole, definitely whole, should watch the whole it. series. Spinge it. We Spinge should. It. We should watch an episode or two. Sure. Slumber party. Hey, slumber party. <laughs> yeah, Let's we go. could have a slumber party. Stay up all night. <laughs> <laughs> this is when we get introduced to their whole like business setup that they got going on where we find out about Claudia's bedroom where she has her own personal phone number which they use to run the the babysitters club. Yeah, she doesn't ha- just have her own phone in her bedroom, she has her own number, which was a big fucking deal <laughs> back oh, then for a kid. Huge. Oh man, you guys remember landlines? I do. It, it, <laughs> I mean this this book takes me back to those days before cell phones. Like I remember calling people that lived at long distance and one of my friends lived far away and we talked a lot on the phone. And I remember every month my mom getting the phone bill and be like, Harold, <laughs> <laughs> the phone bill's $140, man. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I'll blow you guys' mind even more so. Do you guys ever experience having a party line? I did not, but I've heard of them. I had a party line. I don't get invited to parties. (laughs) Oh, no, it wasn't that. Uh, Basically, you'd sometimes pick up your phone, and I'd hear my Aunt Dolores talking because we shared the same phone line down our road. This was on Rotary as well, so you'd have to put in your... The whole thing with the click, 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 click. Yep. Yeah. So it would would be interesting because you would sometimes I'd be on the phone and I'd hear her pick up and she wouldn't put the phone down. And I would be like, Aunt Dolores, stop listening to my phone call. And then I hear her hang on. (laughs) (laughs) Creepy Aunt Dolores. I just know Josh is on them drugs. (laughs) She was, she would, dude, she would spy on me. She like, cause my dad is a roofer. So we would go up on the roof. No, we don't no fear of heights or anything like that. So we would just hang out on the roof. Sometimes she'd call my mom. Do you know your son's on the roof? And <laughs> he's safe. He's fine. He's not going to fall off and hurt himself. His dad's a roofer for God's sakes. <laughs> do you know your son is riding around on his three wheeler? Yeah. It's his three wheeler. He can do that. As long as he's wearing the helmet, he's fine. And I was so. Yeah, nosy neighbors, just worse than their relatives. Just to be clear, your dad being a roofer does not make you, like, genetically okay on roofs. You're not, like, a mountain goat or something that's born no, with I the just... ability to fucking whoop, whoop. That's not how yeah, any of this works. Yeah, but my mom can trust us being up on a fairly flat roof, you know? Right. She's not worried about us falling off. 
that's what I think my Aunt Dolores was worried about is us falling off. I mean, I was up on plenty of roofs when I was a kid and I, was, I shouldn't have been up there. And my dad wasn't a roofer, but, you know, yeah. again, ah. boys books suggested that we climbed on roofs. Girls books suggested that you start a business and make money. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so they all meet at this uh, at Claudia's house. And the reason they meet there, they meet there three times a week. And that means that all of them will be in the same room. So everybody around town knows that when they want to get a hold of a babysitter, they just call Claudia's during these meeting times. And they're going to have all four or five of the girls in place and get a, be able to set it up. They make a schedule. They go through and they write in journals to make sure that everything's logged and they know everything they they can. They have a record book full of information. Uh they have all these clients and, you know, in that book, they talk about how like one time someone ended up dog sitting instead of babysitting and another time someone went babysitting for a kid. Marianne went babysitting for a kid. Kid got sick and she actually had to call 911 and, you know, was able to relay, hey, that's a good thing to have, you know. So it's yeah, this was pretty nuts to me when I saw all this. I feel like they have a monopoly on the babysitting in this town. They do, and I feel like it's time someone breaks it up. Yeah. We need to <laughs> Trust get some, busters. Yeah, we need to get some busters in there. Because it's like, about, they're talking about how these junior officers, if they're good enough. Who, well, who determines if they're good enough? Right. You? <laughs> I don't know. I think I would undercut them. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm a 40-year-old dude, and I'll watch your kids for half of what these 12-year-old girls are watching for. I mean, not I, that now. That sounds real good. <laughs> I meant when I was younger. Now I'm like, I get paid a decent a decent wage, so I'm going to continue with my normal job. Well, I have a new job starting, but yeah, I'm going to do that, not watch Yay. children. I'm thinking of starting a book series called The Babysitter's Ninja Warrior Club to draw boys to it, right? And then I will do basically the same thing in the beginning, be like, hey, listen, man, you need to set up a little thing going on here. Get a cell phone. It's just for Babysitter Ninja Warrior Club, okay? <laughs> You're going to want to point some people to some positions, log all your jobs. <laughs> Oh, and uh, there is there is a uh, slightly '90s racist, not racist thing that happens here. Oh yeah, where, the casual racism. Yeah, yeah, where they they mention how Claudia is Japanese and exotic looking, and she loves wild clothes and jewelry. <laughs> like that's the thing <laughs> that is about Claudia. Okay, everybody else has got like, oh, they like candy or they like this, and well, Claudia, she's Japanese and exotic. You know, so <laughs> well, she's also a junk food addict. So she, they there's do have more a to her than being Japanese American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how they slide that in, I was just like, yeah. hmm, casual racism of the nineties. Yeah. I don't think it was meant that way either. I just think that it comes off that way now. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, it comes off that way now. I saw this one collection of uh like memes around Claudia and how she was like the only Asian student in school. <laughs> Claudia Kishi, the only Asian at this damn school. Claudia and the racist little shits. <laughs> oh yeah, th there is uh one one book in the in the series that uh that revolves around the some the kids that Claudia is babysitting uh not wanting to be babysat by her because she's Asian because she's different looking. Oh wow. 
That's interesting that she tried to tackle that, though. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be number 56. Keep out Claudia mm-hmm. or keep out Claudia. I wonder if George McNabb finally tried to get a babysitter. Right? Yeah. He's like, hey, look at my, watch my kids. Wait, you're Asian? You gonna try and steal my beans? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, after you get past page four, there's just like a hundred pages of filler, right, Josh? Is that how you describe it? I did it? not. <laughs> I wasn't even gonna bring it up. You guys are, you're the ones that were gonna, I, I no. was silent this time. I was not gonna even no. say anything. Because they're, because I'm just bringing up a point that... <laughs> Every book is going to apparently have filler to it because that's called a story. But you, it's just a it's just a note you make every time, and I'm like, wait, what do you mean filler? I didn't make a note this time. This time I had no notes about that whatsoever. <laughs> You're like, you got me last time, Harold. Stop it. Basically, see, that's this pretty- is why I don't like either of you assholes. That's see? the yogurt in your lotion. <laughs> <laughs> So they uh, they are all sitting around at this point. They tell each other about their different babysitting jobs that they had. Uh, they talk about the pikes, and not for the only time in the book. They'll get into the pikes a few different times in the book. Um, it's one of their biggest clients because of the eight kids that they have. Mm-hmm. So why do you think they have eight kids? Do you think it's because of uh, the Catholics. various... Well, I was going to say Catholicism. either like Catholicism or <laughs> being... Uh, Mormon, no birth control. I don't that know. could be it. Well, here's um, the thing, or Mormons. Though. They never mention Mormonism. They never mention Catholicism. And actually, at the Pike household, the kids basically have no rules. Is how how it goes. Like they can eat whatever they want. They can pretty much go anywhere. I mean, the one kid is allowed to leave the house. He's like seven or eight, and she's like, "Yeah, he can just go, and don't worry if he's gone. If you don't see him for a while, haha, <laughs> no big deal." I'm like, "What?" Well, he you has know? limits, though. <laughs> Yeah, the two block limit, but I'm telling you, if my mom gave me a two block limit when I was eight years old, we were five and a half blocks away. <laughs> I was going to say, we didn't have limits because we were latchkey kids. Yeah. It but was I get mean, out this of the was house. Written, this was written during that time, though. So this was written during the time of latchkey kids. And when I was eight years old, I was just telling a lady at the corner store tonight that I've been letting Bruce play out in the backyard a little bit, you know, without me being out there, I'll, I'll stand in the window and watch him or I, I'm going in and out of the house, but I let him kind of hang out and run around the backyard. He knows where he can and can't go. And he feels he actually, the other day came in the house. He's like, is it okay for me to be out there? And I'm like, you're fine, bud. You know, I'm like, I'm letting you have some fun out there by yourself. You know, when I was his age, I'm not kidding you. I was on a bike a mile and a half away from the house crossing major roadways you know, I mean, it's it was much different then, much different. I'm sure some people do that now. I think it's crazy because we have a much different understanding of things now. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we were free most of the time and these kids were pretty free. So anyways, there's a ghost at Dawn's house. <laughs> but we haven't even gotten to the ghost yet. Why are you jumping into the ghost? Shit. We're okay. in chapter one. We haven't we gotten are. to anything yet. Listen, we like to lay down a foundation with chapter one. That's what the book is about. We lay down the foundation with chapter one. We spend the first it 45 minutes on that. a pretty thick foundation. And then we rush through the last five-eighths of the book. <laughs> I like this plan. Yeah. This is a good plan. So anyways, yeah. So basically Dawn lives in this old Victorian house, crazy old Victorian house. And 
they have a night where they all try and go around and look for a secret passage in the house because uh, they're having a slumber party. And they don't find a secret passage anywhere, but Dawn keeps on hearing these noises uh, when she's in her room at night. Yeah, because Dawn figures it's an old house. Old houses have secret rooms. Yep, secret rooms and ghosts. And her mom keeps telling her the house is just settling, and other people agree with that. Um but she's she's sure there's a secret room and they aren't finding anything. Uh, they go through a number of different babysitting scenarios in between. Uh, actually, at some point, Dawn is out in her her barn and discovers a trap door in the floor. And she mentions that she feels like uh, Nancy Drew in the hidden staircase when she finds this because she I, I guess I didn't. <laughs> I always overdo it in my imagination when someone falls hard and lands on something. So <laughs> I felt like she fell from the loft, hit the floor, went through the trap door and then fell down. I'm like, she should be dead. <laughs> she should be fucking dead. Like, how did she survive this? But she did. And uh, I don't know if she fell from the loft. Like she that didn't. High up. I, I reread it later and she didn't. She didn't fall through the loft. Okay. I don't know it was why. Just a trap door on the floor. Yeah, she fell through a trap door on the floor. She was sitting on the floor and fell through a trap door that wasn't latched properly. But for some reason, I imagined her falling from the loft as I was reading it because I, I kind of read quickly. I read I block paragraphs when I read. So so she uh she falls down this this tunnel. And she's able to follow it. Now, Josh, you said you thought this tunnel had something to do with the Underground Railroad. I do. I think that that was the purpose of it because that's why it was hidden. It was right. because it was part of, uh, you know, helping the escaped slaves get to Canada. And I mean, it is it is a barn into the house because where this tunnel leads as she follows along she finds some stairs and she walks up the stairs and eventually she finds a panel and she pushes it and opens it. And it turns out that the whole time the secret passage hidden in her house was in her room. And it was at this point where there was this uh, molding around the area and it was like almost seamless. So she was able to just push a little thing and boop, walk right through, which is creepy, you know, because then the other side of this is first off, the trap door wasn't latched properly. So she was able to fall all the way from above the roof of the building when she jumped out of the plane and down through the trap door and not die. Just adding further falling to it. <laughs> so she <laughs> so she uh, she doesn't say anything about this at first and they address it later like, whoa, you got this uh unlatched entrance to your home <laughs> but yeah it was I mean, uh sense. it was the the guy that was on a date with trip. uh with the mom yeah trip shout yeah. out to any trips out there including uh that comedian that i know trip hazard good uh good guy <laughs> pretty good stand-up yeah the trip man that, yeah that would be my brother by the way <laughs> so <laughs> Can I just say, good for Don's mom. Like she's recently divorced and she's getting out there. Like, she's like really getting out there. They say she's going out with several guys, and Don wants uh, her mom to marry uh, Marianne. I think is, uh dad. Like they're kind of dating, whatever. But because uh, she wants to be uh, stepsisters, it's reasonable with with Marianne. Fun fact, later on in the series, they do get married and they do become stepsisters. Yep, that becomes uh, a prominent arc in the series. Hmm. Way to spoil things, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> so much for Trip. Poor Trip. Well, I mean, come on. That's pretty funny. I wouldn't I wouldn't go with that nickname, Trip. <laughs> <laughs> 
Unless I was going to be a comedian, of course. <laughs> Do people call your brother Trip? Is that a regular thing? In college, everyone in okay. his college kno- knew him as Trip because he would okay. go up to people and be like, "Hi, my name's David," but everybody calls me Trip because Trip Hazard is a hilarious name. It is a it is a hilarious name, <laughs> and it's, that's it, and nice. it works. So I just wonder because you always said that people called you Shark, and you're the least sharky person i know so <laughs> I well, know again that was just the reason i got the name of shark isn't because of my teeth or anything like that it's because i would keep my cold hands in my in my <laughs> sleeves and so it looked like flippers were sticking out <laughs> they called me shark because of my dorsal fin that's pretty much they just called me that that and i was like okay i'll go with it because it could be a lot worse so I'll also i have a second shark. row of teeth Best nickname I ever got was Little Harold. <laughs> I mean, I liked Miami myself, but no, Miami know. Harold was the worst <laughs> thing ever. I remember you, you tried to be H three for like a good year. No, like, just call I was me H three. I was H three to a lot of people. I was H three at work for a few years. I was H three to my stepsister. Uh, I was H three to a lot of people actually. Most of uh, the people that knew my dad at one time called me h3 yeah i just i would just call him big harold even though he was smaller than you nobody that was a regular (laughs) that was a regular friend of mine or in my circle ever called me h3 though so but yeah so they they come and they check this whole thing out and it it was funny because after dawn found it she found it after all the girls had left and she found it on her own and as excited as she was to find a secret passage, she never took the time to tell anybody about it. She just kind of kept it to herself. And she keeps on hearing noises from in there. And she's pretty sure that there's definitely 100% a ghost living in the passage. Mm-hmm. And each time she's in the passage, she finds different things strewn around there. Yep. Like First time she finds like an old, old uh, buckle and uh, like a nickel. I want mm-hmm. a really old nickel at some point. Yeah, Buffalo had nick- uh, Buffalo nickel. A Buffalo nickel. And she steps on an old-fashioned ice cream cone <laughs> end. <laughs> yeah, but that ice cream cone wasn't there the first time she went through. She found no, that. No, it wasn't there the first time, no. Yep. She found that on the second time. And then as time goes on, uh, she took her brother down there eventually and found peanut shells down there. And they weren't there before. And the trip man throws, like, she throw, actually shows the trip man the nickel, and he throws it into the, the passage, and uh, she can't find it the next time she's in there when she looks for it. I think that's the time when she's showing her brother. Yep. Now, it is the pikes, right, that they're babysitting where the little boy is allowed to go two blocks Two block away. radius. Two block radius, yeah. yeah. Yes. And so, so uh, she does notice, like, at one point when she's babysitting that uh, this little boy disappears and as much as she was told not to worry about it of course after a little while she's like okay i need to go at least like get an eye on him make sure that i have not lost this child and she can't find him she can't find him she's calling for him she's panicking then all of a sudden he shows up and he's like kind of dirty and he's like oh i was hot and the other kids wouldn't let me come swimming with them so i went and got cool somewhere else and didn't register as anything with her at that point um and as time goes on she keeps hearing more noises and eventually finally decides to to show a friend about this uh secret passageway it was uh mary ann wasn't it yeah i'm pretty sure it's mary ann 
she shows the passageway to. And Marianne is yes. not a fan yes. of scary ghost stuff. Now, also with the Pikes, though, they have an oldest daughter named Mallory who does eventually become part of the Babysitter's Club. She's kind of like a babysitter in training. Yep, this whole series is like a, a nonstop tale of comings and goings, and they add to the, the group, and girls move away, and they form West Coast factions. Like, Dawn moves back to California eventually and forms, like, the West Coast Avengers. <laughs> but this is like a super group of babysitters. Yep. Kind of like the Avengers. And there's a... A babysitter club universe, a BCU. A BCU. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually kind of kind of neat, I it, think. Yeah. No, it is neat. I, I mean, and I'm sure there's They're not just, that we're just isolated not stories like like Goosebumps, where they ha- having nothing to do with each other. There's they actually have arcs and long time long term payoffs to uh to storylines and it's kind of kind of neat how they go along right i do want to note that uh when they come across some dust uh clumps they call them dust bunnies so i don't know why Mm. they said dust mice and mouse on the motorcycle this made more sense when they said dust bunnies i was like i know what that is i know what a dust bunny is yeah i mean context clues i know what a dust mouse is too let's be real i'm not quite sure i know (laughs) not quite sure i know (laughs) When you got a mouse right there, you have to slur him somehow. Yeah, I mean, you can't be, <laughs> can't be throwing bunnies under the bus when you got a mouse you can put down. <laughs> but anywho, at some at some point, it's kind of uh, serendipitous, but like Don just happens to come a- across a book about urban legends about the town or or whatever. It was a history of the town, and at the end of it, it had the urban legends in it. At the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And she found the story of... I'm trying to find it in my book. Uh, Mulray. Jared Mulray. I believe, uh, long story short, his family was being forced to move away from the property, but he didn't want to move, so he hid out in his secret hiding place, which turned out to be the tunnel between the barn and the house. And Don concludes that uh, the what she's hearing is the ghost of old Jared Mulray still hiding in that secret passage. You know, and leave it to a guy who fell into financial trouble to become a ghost and just live rent-free in someone's tunnel. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Oh, squatters. <laughs> they got to have some sort of organization that gets rid of these these spectral squatters. Right. I mean, who who are you going to who are you going to ring up? Like yeah. what, what what group are you going to ring up? Yeah. Who do we <laughs> dial? He-Man. 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 Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, they uh as this goes by for a little while, and she keeps hearing these noises, and she's now convinced that Jared Mulray's ghost lives in there, and she's shown it to her brother, she's shown it to her friend, she's all scared shitless, and she keeps going over to babysit the Pikes, and Nikki keeps on disappearing. And then she starts putting a couple things together. She noticed that the sounds were only really coming at times that Nikki, the little boy, would be able to go make noise in the tunnel. So finally, one day when he disappears, she actually goes and checks the tunnel. And down in that tunnel, she ends up finding none other than Nikki. And it is him that's been making the noises and walking around and leaving all the stuff. Uh, at least the the peanut shells, the 
ice cream cone, the nickel, those were all his. Some of the older stuff was just older stuff that got left down there, but once she moved that, no more older stuff showed up. At one point she said that uh, her mom's room was on the other side of the wall from her from her bedroom, so I was thinking that the moaning may have been something else. <laughs> I mean, she was talking to (laughs) She was experiencing her newfound single life, you know. Yeah, she's in her hoe phase. (laughs) Divorced people go through them. She is not a hoe. She is a wonderful woman who just happens to be experiencing some things that she's been missing out on. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't believe he meant the hoe phase as in the derogatory hoe phrase. I'm just saying, don't have to call her that. Don't have to use that terminology. But Andy went through a hoe phrase for a minute. Oh, he's not even through it. He's got to keep it going. I mean, I'm not on the other end of it yet. Yeah, he's still in his hoe phase. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> Ladies. This, it doesn't have to be a gendered thing. We can all be hoes, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I mean, I'm a hoe. Yeah. It said, it said so on my car. Yeah, it did. It did. He had it written right on the side of his car. Custom job, too. <laughs> Custom job. Yep. I don't know who did it, but they wound up being right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he is a hoe. Backstory to anyone not familiar with it. I work in a pretty crime-ridden town, and uh, there was a period of time where I kept finding the word ho scratched into the side of my vehicle. And I, to this day, have no idea who did it, uh, but I'm pretty damn sure that they mistook my car for somebody else's because it wasn't just ho that was scratched into my car. It was slut. It was bitch, and nobody's called me that to my face, and I don't think I've done anything to anybody to warrant that, especially not back then. It was me, Andy. This was a few years ago. It was you? It was me. I did it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's a long-running joke. (laughs) I wanted you to be confused and angry. It was a a long game. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, one day we're going to do a podcast together, and I will bring it up. During the Babysitters Club episode, <laughs> was it worth it? What are you What are you getting out of it? It's not about me. It's about the audience. What did they get out of uh, it? <laughs> all right, we're entertaining the audience. Yes. So, anyways, it was actually a young boy. Let's not be gross here, Josh. Yeah. No. But but there were noises coming when Nikki couldn't possibly have been there, though. That's what that's what I was actually going to get to is that uh, she asked him if he was there late at night or, you know, during the storms or and Nikki's like, no, nah, I wouldn't have gone down there at night. And she's like, well, then that doesn't explain the noises I've been hearing at night, you know, so. Yeah, it it le- they wind up solving the mystery like halfway and then they leave it open ended and just kind of move on to to something else. Well, it's at, it's at the revelation old, that it's an old barn. It's probably rats or animals or something right. of that sort because it's just that's why they're like, oh yeah, okay. So we figured out that there's no ghosts, but it's obviously the sounds are something natural from the house settling or from natural, you know, animals just being out there. Because if you're leaving trash in a secret compartment, mice and rats are going to get to it. It's just how it is. Right. And they, they also give it the explanation of the house is settling, which I've lived in some old houses and they do make noise. 
I mean, it's old wood, it dries it, and then it gets, you know, some humidity to it, and it'll creak and moan at times, so... Right, but towards the end of the book, the the girls are all having a slumber party, and uh, Don and one of the other girls use the, the passage. The other girls don't know that the passage is probably Mary-Kate then... Or Marianne, sorry. But two of the girls use the the passage to totally freak out the other girls. And then they come through the 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 opening in the wall and they're all like, Oh, you guys, you got us. Oh man, that's so cool that you have a secret passage in your in your bedroom, blah blah blah. And but then they start hearing noises again and they can't uh, account for it. And it ends with the question, Did my secret passage have a ghost? I hoped I'd never find out. The next morning dawned clear and sunny. I was awakened by the sound of a catbird outside the open window. So they leave it open-ended and they don't get back to it. Now, hold on a second. You totally skipped past probably the biggest gripe I have in this fucking book. Yes, let's do talk about the slumber party and what they do there. Yes. So they sit down to at the slumber party and they're trying to decide which movies to watch. So Christy says Ghostbusters. Uh, my vote too. Claudia says Star Wars, close second. Mm-hmm. Stacy says Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Ann says Sixteen Candles. <laughs> okay, and then uh, Dawn wants to watch The Parent Trap. Eh, it's all right, uh, but they're all like looking at the VCR. Obviously, Parent Trap is way off the list because she looked woefully at the VCR. So it's Saturday night. They're going to get to stay up and everything. They end up doing a vote on it, and they end up with Ghostbusters and 16 Candles is what they're going to watch, okay? But they start with Ghostbusters. So they're watching Ghostbusters, and as they're watching it, they get to the point where the marshmallow guy bursts. And she says, I think it's Christy's favorite part, too. As soon as he exploded, she said, I'm starving. Let's toast marshmallows, Dawn, or make s'mores. So they pause the movie at the part where the marshmallow man burst to make spores Mm -hmm. so they can eat them while they're finishing the rest of the movie. I've seen Ghostbusters 787 times. Okay. (laughs) At the point where the marshmallow man explodes, there are literally three and a half minutes left in that movie. They go, Oh, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, let's break her out of the dog. And then they're like, I love this town. And then it goes to the next scene where it's just the credits start rolling and they're walking out with marshmallow on them. Why did they pause the fucking movie to make s'mores to watch that? Just finish the movie. Get your s'mores made and watch your next movie. Well, I mean, that last three and a half minutes is about as much time as it takes to eat a s'more. Not if you're doing it right, man. You should have six or seven fucking s'mores. What are you doing? How many s'mores do you eat? I don't know, one at a time. No. You got to sandwich two <laughs> s'mores together and eat three of those. That's why I don't call them <laughs> s'mores. I call them Zenuff. Zenuff? <laughs> one's enough. <laughs> yeah, I usually, I'll do one, but that's about it. I, I don't do more than one usually. Well, I am the chocolatiest chocolate milk friend, so yeah. candy <laughs> yes, is pretty much true. what I eat. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll take that Hershey. I'm just not going to put marshmallows on it. I will just eat the Hershey. What? Mm. Yeah. But Dawn and Stacy don't eat s'mores because Dawn's a health food freak, so she doesn't eat junk food. And she's real smug and about it the whole time. And she's real smug about it. She's from California. Just because you're from California <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean California you're into, into, into uh If you're from California, you, you should be more into like tacos. 
like street tacos or it's not health food because like yeah there are some health places out here but i do great at being fat out here so not like super (laughs) fat but you know my normal we know you are we know you're not eating health food oh god no (laughs) i eat once a day to keep my slim figure Everybody from California is a vegetarian. Yep. Vegan. Or vegan. vegan. Or keto. I'm a keto vegan, you know. I, a- I only eat meat and vegetables. I don't eat vegetables. I just pretty much stick to the meat. Yeah, meat and sugar. <laughs> Potatoes. Just sugary meat. I put See? sugar on the- <laughs> yep. minty, minty meat. Oh. See, I am the most omnivorous of the three of us because I eat meat. I like all different kinds of bread, rye, wheat, uh, multigrain. I eat all kinds of cheeses, uh, vegetables, and then uh, other more exotic foods. I like all food as long as it uh, can be eaten. I always say if it's edible, I'll try it. But then there's Stacy, who's diabetic. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, the other friends at least make... Like they bring them up a snack that they both can eat too. They don't just tease them for not not uh, eating sweets, right? But or not being able to eat sweets. Let's be real. Couldn't Stacy just you know taken two two insulin shots? She'd have been all right. That's what my cousin did. <laughs> 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 no, I mean it, it's funny actually because uh, I've I've known a few people with diabetes. Uh, and the the people I knew that had it were kind of down on themselves for the fact that they had diabetes and just never took the time to actually care about ways they could help themselves by eating better. <laughs> they just ate as they wanted and uh, went to the doctor as the doctor was like, hey, man, you can't just keep shooting more insulin in to fix it. So it is kind of cool also <laughs> to have them like hey, look at she's taking care of herself. This is how you do it. When you have diabetes, you eat a healthier snack. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. don't drink the soda, which is a good lesson for all of us. We could probably all eat a little bit more like somebody with diabetes because, you know, it just means eating healthier and not. I mean, well, it doesn't just mean that. Obviously, it's also. Yeah, I'm going to get off the diabetes. It's, it's, <laughs> a lot of it is just controlling the, the amount of sugar <laughs> that you're taking in because. Yeah. Technically, we are all addicted to sugar, and there is a way to get off of it. But I don't want to be on addicted to I sugar because I love it. I can, so I can, I can I'm put sugar whenever I it. want. I, I can't, especially on toast. Oh, <laughs> best thing ever. It's my comfort food, and I, I've needed a lot of comfort lately. <laughs> I'm okay, guys. I'm okay. Well, Andy, you're my best friend now because Josh doesn't like me. Apparently, yay. No more sugar for me. I don't need this. I have friendship. Wait till he comes up from California and sees what I do the shampoo bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the sample, the sample shampoo where we put like a whole bottle in it so it doesn't come out <laughs> like those kids did? Yeah, right, where you just keep squirting it in their hair. No, yeah, that's the shampoo in here where it was like some kind of concentrated oh, shampoo. Oh, yeah, it was what a super concentrated that? shampoo. Super concentrated shampoo. What the fuck is that? I've never even I've heard, never of, heard that. of that. Yeah. 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 Because I figure we're through the, the book. So now we can just kind of poke at things that we found that are interesting. And because it's just this book, it's it's like three stories put into one because there's mm-hmm. the main story about Dawn's the, the ghost. And then there's mm-hmm. the babysitting aspect of it. 
And there's a lot to the babysitting aspect of it. We, we learn about all these different kids and, you know, all the different weird things that they have together. Like the triplets mm-hmm. are assholes to their little <laughs> brother. And right. uh, every so often we get a, an, an interlude about a, an, a babysitting job from one of the girls. Yeah, it's the journal entries that they put uh, that they keep at the club so that they know what's going on in the world of these kids. So when they go visit the, the Pikes, they know that this kid's like this, that kid's like that. Here's what's been going on for them. And I think that gives each of the girls a more insight so they can better handle the kids when they're around. Yep. Chapter 10 was just like a nightmare scenario of uh, Claudia trying to get a little kid who's really, really hyped up at bedtime. Just yep. won't go fuck down to sleep. Go to fucking sleep, child. <laughs> It's very effective birth control <laughs> in this chapter. Yeah, she she doesn't have a dad voice, so it doesn't really work for her. It doesn't always work for me either. You know, I mean, like it's the it, tonight we had. Uh, I actually had to take a half an hour off because last night the boys stayed up till ten thirty. They would not stop talking, no matter no matter what. And so tonight I I shut the TV off. Uh, you know, usually they get to watch a couple shows before bed and I shut it off a half hour early tonight and tonight they didn't want to go to bed and they finally got the picture when I told them that tomorrow night it'll be getting shut off an additional half hour early now. And they were like, whoa, <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, I got to do what I got to do. You're going to listen to me at some point here. Maybe it'll be when I put that TV out in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> I remember having those nights, though, when I used to share a bedroom with one of my brothers and neither of us could sleep and we just kept talking. That's why you couldn't oh, sleep. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a brother, too, that I shared a room with. And the reason we couldn't sleep is because we didn't stop talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I remember multiple nights, just David and I would start giggling and we couldn't stop giggling. <laughs> and my mom would yell at us and it would just make us laugh harder. <laughs> it's because that's what brothers do. It's just how yep. it is. I think it's what kids do. I'm sure that sisters oh, are pretty much yeah. the same. It's just you're you're just sitting there just laughing or you know, something stupid happens and I don't know. So another thing that I saw in here was at one point uh when they're they're at a they're watching a some kids, but they're it's because of the rain. So that they're they're stuck inside, and so uh, this is in Christy is, is uh, watching some kids, and they bring up oh let's read a book instead of playing shoots and ladders. What can we read? And we have some fun callbacks because they have Ramona and her father. So that's a Beverly Cleary, fantastic Mr. Fox, obviously. And then I don't is there who's the author of the Little Engine that could is there is there an actual author or is that just an old story? The Little Engine That Could is just a book that someone found one time. and uh, Nobody knows who wrote it. It appeared out of nowhere. Yep. It was in a crater uh, in Nevada, and they were able to copy it and just send it to everybody. And don't let the, the writing on the front that that's by Waddy Piper fool you. No, that is a made-up name by the CIA to yep. hide its true origins. If you want the truth, come here to reliterate it. We will make up conspiracy <laughs> theories on the spot, and a portion of people will believe them. <laughs> right? It's what the media doesn't want you to know. The media is not going to tell you this. <laughs> the media gave Raw Dahl a bad name. 
<laughs> it wasn't him making anti-Semitic comments and <laughs> being a dick to publishers. It was the media. No, it was fucking him. He's a terrible, <laughs> terrible human. He's a piece of shit. I'm coming off a of class tonight where a guy's talking about how the media is the one who makes uh, a certain group of people look bad. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure they're doing that themselves. <laughs> <laughs> you played yourselves. Yeah. But anyways, that is our uh, our very first time being introduced to the Babysitter's Club uh, through uh, through book number nine, The Ghost at Dawn's House. What do you boys think? Are we going to do an, a Babysitter's Club in the future? I would like to do another one because I would like to see <sighs> I would like to see if they all take on a similar vein or if it if the story changes up. I mean, you would think it would have to change up. But how many stories of like we were watching these kids and this crazy thing happened? You know, there's a mm-hmm. main theme to the stories. It seems this was a ghost at Dawn's house. There was one called like Christie's Secret was at the one you had on the Facebook. Um, so they've all uh, got Christie's great idea, which Christie's was the very first uh, first book in the series. Yeah. So I mean, they've all got obviously some theme. I I would be interested to see where it goes. Is there another one that kind of folk that looks at the ghost of Dawn's house, or maybe we could look at I one of the know. ones that has uh, Dawn's mom actually dating Marianne's father, and that could be the sequel. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to like cherry pick uh, titles from the, the whole series here. We've got Marianne and the Search for Tigger, mm-hmm. uh, Stacy's Ex-Best Friend. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, Stacy's Choice. I wonder if that's like Sophie's Choice. Um, Marianne Breaks the Rules. We could, <laughs> we could do the one where the... The the fam the, the family's racist against Claudia. <laughs> that was the one Man. I was thinking of because that was you know that's the that's the only other one I know about. Uh, so. Maybe <laughs> if we keep tackling issues, we'll get better at tackling issues. <laughs> I, only ways with practice. Yeah, Let's yes. keep talking about racism and gender and. And LGBT stuff, yep. Fumbling our way through it and hoping our cuteness actually plays <laughs> off for us. <laughs> I have never banked on my cuteness successfully. Our audio <laughs> cuteness, my friend. <laughs> our audio cuteness. Yeah. You apparently have a soothing voice. I was going to yes. say, remember, Harold's voice is soothing. I, I I apparently have multiple listeners that think I have a soothing voice, which I appreciate but don't understand. But yeah, the series ends with... Uh, Marianne's house burning down. And all Jesus. the babysitters club girls die. It's really sad. <laughs> yep. It yeah, it, it ends with the Thanos snap. Yep. <laughs> Thanos <laughs> snaps and all of them just <laughs> dust away. Everybody which but the babysitters will survive, which will remain. <laughs> babysitters assemble. assemble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it was it was interesting. I mean, I don't I you know, I don't know that I would pick these up and start reading the Babysitter Club's book from the beginning, especially as a 37-year-old father. But it wasn't <laughs> right. It wasn't bad. I think I definitely could have read it as a kid and might have benefited from reading it as a kid. Uh, again, just I the, mean, yeah, just the business savvy alone. But yeah, not just not just that, but actually seeing girls as people <laughs> right instead With of the, just pe- things that we wanted to have for ourselves or something mm-hmm. things, because things to chase but yeah yeah i mean i had the uh the honor of having a, a lot of uh, female friends growing up uh, throughout high school and everything and 
I feel like being just being around them uh, as friends with them gave me a lot of perspective in you know how to treat people and what uh, what it can do to a person to be treated as an object or you know not seen as a as a person and everything and I feel like uh, I gained a lot of empathy just from being friends with a lot of girls. So, so I'm all my all my lady friends out there. Thank you so much for being a part of my life. I had something similar, especially in high school. I had a lot of friends that were girls, and a few of them were actually LGBTQ. And I don't think I really learned the lesson until later in life. Honestly, I definitely had a lot of people around me, a lot of male influences that were like, oh, yeah, sex and blah, 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 and girl, women, do, do, do. you know, I had a lot of that. And I think it was a, I was a slow learner to it. But it mm-hmm. was definitely those friendships and my long memory and me looking back to those friendships and and understanding things differently as I got older that have changed my perspective and how I view it and how I intend to raise my kids to look at um, all people around them and not just see especially to not just see girls as objects of your desire. That's, you know, yeah. an important thing that I didn't take away right away. I had my, I had my moment as the young misogynist, but uh, not to the extent of a lot of people, but you know, it was there, but uh, definitely I learned from having all those girls as uh, friends, just not at the time. It was later. <laughs> it was later. <laughs> Some of us, it takes a while. Yelp. Feel like, feel like I'm still learning. Oh, and definitely you are. So, yeah, you don't know anything, so Andy. Much, you know nothing, so Andy Harrington. I mean, I know nothing. We just finished Game of Thrones again. Ah. <laughs> Speaking of powerful women, it's it's funny how uh, that series actually begins with uh, all very nasty, strong male characters, but then ends with most of the kingdom's being under the rule of strong women. Mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that was kind of a cool like it was it was an interesting dynamic how it switched like that. At least powerful women. Power- I, I don't know how much how much strength uh, <laughs> of character uh Daenerys and and uh, uh what's her face? Cersei? I, I guess uh, it depends Cersei, on what yeah. you mean. They they, en- they ended poorly. I mean, they yeah. did, but they had strong character and you know that was another one I wanted to say. One of the biggest gripes that I, I heard, and like I say, we watched it again after having seen it once before. One of the biggest gripes I heard was how people were like, oh, they just came out of nowhere with that thing with Daenerys. No, they didn't. When you watch it after having watched it all and know how it ends, all through the series, there are very clear signs in every single every single season that things were going to probably go the way they went. It's it's not a surprise as it was when you saw it because everybody wanted like, whoa, she's got the dragon. She's cool. But anyways, <laughs> it's, it's worth watching it again. It's worth watching the whole series again. Hmm, okay. Daenerys just kind of flips the table on the Game of Thrones. She does, but it's obvious that she always had the capacity to flip the table hmm. not from the very beginning. I see. I see. Anyways. Yeah, I never watched it, so... I know. Yeah. When you come up when you come up this time, you are watching an episode of Game of Thrones. Just no. because I want just yet yeah, you yeah, you already said you would. No. You already said you would. Nope. And it's recorded now. This so. is why you Nope. This is why you this can is why say nope. You you're not anybody's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> you you can say nope, but I mean, like at some point you're gonna end up being at my house 
I don't like high fantasy. Sorry. I, it doesn't, doesn't interest me. if you don't like high fantasy. That's exactly what that show is. So watch it sober. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to watch it high. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, you told me you would watch one episode, and that statement trumps your statement you're making right now. I don't recall. that. It's one of your fake memories. You have a bunch it's, of fake nope, memories of nope. me, Harold. No, 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 I've no. I no, never no. said I would ever watch Game of Thrones, because I will you, never watch Game of Thrones, because I have you said zero you, interest in Game of Thrones. You said you would watch one episode. <laughs> I you did. will not watch one episode. I have you zero agreed. interest in Game of Thrones, therefore it's I would even, never say that I would ever watch it. It's not the first episode, though. It's not like I'm like, oh, you just watch one episode and you watch the whole series. No, there's a specific episode that you said you would watch that I would handpick from late in the season that's what you said i don't recall this I don't it's recall an hour and a half of your fucking time while you're sitting at my house for a week only if we sit head to head we are gonna sit head to head <laughs> we always sit head to head we lay on the couch with our heads near each other so that we can hear each other while we whisper so my wife doesn't wake up <laughs> this is true and we have a lot in common with point. babysitters club <laughs> <laughs> we do like to have and slumber this is parties where i'll edit back in Yes. <laughs> so, guys, next time we're all together, we should definitely have a slumber party and eat s'mores together about five minutes before the end of a movie. I think that's what mm. we should do. I think we should do it yep. five minutes before the end of Ghostbusters. I think as soon as uh, we need to do this experiment, we need to see if it's worth it to eat s'mores after the Marshmallow Man explodes. For science. For science. For science. And I don't think any of us would complain about watching Ghostbusters 788th time. Oh, God, no. I love that movie. Right. <laughs> For sure. So we're going to watch Ghostbusters, eat s'mores during the last minutes of the movie, and then we'll watch 16 Candles. Yay. Yay. Slumber party. Right. And then we'll uh, we'll stop it halfway through and put on Game of Thrones when Josh isn't looking. Yeah. I got to <laughs> I gotta tell you, I, I really don't want to watch 16 Candles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll watch a bad movie like Birdemic. <laughs> Molly Ringwald is in that, though, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I do want to watch 16 Candles. You've never seen 16 Candles? I think I might have at some point in my life, but probably not. I was busy watching Steven Seagal movies, man. Yeah, not too much into the John Hughes movies as a, as a youngin. Oh, no, nope. that was in high school, specifically with girls. Not even then. Uh, I don't know. That's not that right. I didn't like them. It's just, you know. Again, I never watched them until I was hanging out with a girl and then I'd watch them. So. Mm -hmm. Likely story. Mm -hmm. Very likely story. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. So what do we got lined up for next week? All right. Something totally uncontroversial. We're not going to touch on racism yeah. at all. Oh, no. This is a <laughs> smidgen on this next one. Not when you it's, got an Indian in the cupboard. <laughs> a total, a real live Indian in a cupboard. Mm. Yeah, now, when we say Indian, clearly we mean somebody from the Asian area or the in India over there, right? <laughs> from India. No, no, yeah, we, no. This is a, an Iroquois in the cabinet. And Next even at episode. this point, Iroquois is uh, incorrect. So, yeah, lots, lots, lots going on that we'll have to discuss next week. <laughs> After yep, three reading. white dudes are gonna are gonna educate you all about Native Americans. Well, we're not gonna, gonna educate great. you, but we're gonna tiptoe around the issues as best as we can. 
I don't know that we we've, I don't know that we've tiptoed around any issues. I'm pretty sure we've just walked right into them. Like yeah, we just stomped bar. on those eggshells. <laughs> yeah. we we're picking eggshells out of our feet all week long. Yep, <laughs> that's true. We have a tendency to do that. <laughs> I mean, you so got to these... you got to speak your truth, whether you're right or wrong, and you can find out which way you go on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gets the emails coming in, <clears throat> yes, because. <laughs> We we want them. So next week, May 25th, these three cisgendered European-American males <laughs> are going to be reading or discussing The Indian in the Cupboard by Lynn Reed Banks. So we appreciate you listening to this episode. Reliterated is brought to you by the Chocolate Milk Friends. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or any podcatcher app that pulls from these sources. And give us your reviews, give us your ratings, give us your feedback, um, you know, give us your social security numbers and your your checking account numbers. Mother's maiden name. Your mother's maiden name. Yes, what high school you went to. Your first pet name. Favorite candy bar. Or, yeah, or just your favorite ice cream flavor or something. You know, We want to know who our listeners are. So, uh, And then if you want to read along with us, uh, read The Indian in the Cupboard, and you'll know what we're talking about when we discuss it next week. So until next time, give a shit, read some lit. Have a great whatever time of the day it is for you. Thanks, everyone. I think that went well. I think we're going to get absolutely no negative feedback whatsoever. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Why would we? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, this this one was quick because it's just the story didn't have a lot of story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think we'll get negative feedback because we were very clear entirely through it that we're like, yeah, we're a bunch of dumbasses on this. I mean. <laughs> yeah, we'd have no clue with this. I don't even know what I'm talking about, to tell you the truth. Please interact with us. Educate us. <laughs> Please. We want some feedback. So very lonely. <laughs> <laughs>